Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Message today, as we look in the face of our giant, people are facing giants all through this room. There are people who are facing giants. Some of you have giant opportunities in front of you. Others have uh, giant issues that you're dealing with. Some of you have giant fears. We're going to look at the giants today and we're going to face off with them if you're okay with that. So take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to look at verses 12 through 23. We are in a series titled Facing Your Giant. Last time we saw the children of Israel, the army of Israel, drawing a line between themselves and the, excuse me, I had something zig when it was supposed to zag. And the army of um, the Philistines. Well, today we're going to see the face of the champion of the Philistines. I begin by asking this question. Have you ever struggled to put a face with a, a name? Or you were surprised when you met someone that you knew by reputation for a period of time, but you had never seen them Uh, face-to-face. Maybe you'd only talked to them on the telephone or exchanged uh, emails. Once in a while, uh, we we don't do as extensive a radio ministry as we used to do. We used to be in um, a a very large station, I think a 100,000-watt station in in Valdosta, Georgia, and then a 100,000-watt station out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and and a couple of more. We are still on in Georgia, I understand, but uh, uh, there was a time when, when people would recognize me by my voice. I remember being on an elevator in Atlanta one time, and, and as I was coming down, someone said to me in, in that elevator, you're that preacher. And I said, well, what preacher is that? And she said, you're on that radio station in Valdosta. I said, well, that's right. And, um, and I asked them when they say that to me, kind of jokingly, I said, well, do I look like myself? And uh, they, uh, sometimes they will tell me what I I, they thought that I was going to look like, and uh, in most cases, uh, I don't look as good as uh, uh, they don't. I don't look as good as they might have expected. But uh, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, it's it's tough sometimes to put a face with a name. Last time we drew battle lines, deciding that it was time to put an end to the opposition of whatever giant is in our life. The giant that you have must have a face. <clears throat> or it must have a a label of some kind. The giant that you may face may be the face of a man, or it may be the face of a woman who has tempted you to stray from your marriage commitment. Maybe that is the face of uh, of your giant. Maybe it's the face of a man or a woman who has created serious issues in your life and serious problems uh, for you. Maybe your giant is a a little piece of plastic with a magnetic strip on the back of it, and you have come to depend on uh, that little piece of plastic with the magnetic strip so much that it has become a giant issue in your life. Maybe you have a virtual giant. Maybe your giant is a battle that you are dealing with online, and uh, that is where the giant uh, may be. Your giant may be your emotional state. 
It could be the condition of your marriage. Maybe that little baby that you once held in your arms is now a, a giant issue in your life. There's so many giants, and you uh, may be facing more than one giant. And if you're not facing a giant today, which probably most of us are, you will be facing a giant tomorrow or the next day. Uh, the giants in life just, uh, they keep on coming. And putting a face on it will help us all to do battle with it and to win. Last time we saw the giant as he did, uh, the, uh, the giant as, as he uh, took on the whole army of, of Israel. And uh, there was one face in that crowd. There was a, a giant army of the Philistines, but then there was one face in that crowd who was a distinguishable face. A lot of people had heard about this giant, but they had not seen this giant. Tonight or this morning, David is going to look into the face of the giant that God would use him uh, to uh, slay. 1 Samuel 17, look at verse 12. Now David was the son of an, an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse, not all of them, but the three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to battle. And the names of his three sons who went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and the next to him was Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. And David was the, the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So David evidently had a regular route that he was running uh, on behalf of uh, his family to support his, um, his brothers. Uh, <clears throat> verse 16, the 40, for 40 days the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. And Jesse said to David, his son, Take for your brothers an ephah of this parchment grain and these ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also, take these ten cheeses to the, uh, the commander of their thousand and see if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. Now Saul and uh, they and, and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning, and he left the sheep with a keeper, and took the provisions and went. And as Jesse had commanded him, he came to the encampment as the host was going out to bat the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage, and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with him, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. Now that's a, this, this whole chapter is a very thrilling and chilling uh, chapter in the Word of God. It is a uh, a story from the Old Testament, absolutely true. And it's a story that gives us some, 
some New Testament application in the lives that we are, are living uh, today. Every story has a backstory. If I were to stop at the, uh, at the pew and I were to stop to see one of you or a family sitting here today or a couple, and I would say, tell me your story. Well, you might tell me something about your story. Well, we're from Kansas and we moved to Tallahassee several years ago and this is uh, why we're here in Tallahassee and we've been coming to the church here for a few weeks and we really love being in the church and that's your story and I'm, I'd be glad for that story. But I will tell you this, there would be a backstory that you didn't share with me. There's something else that's motivating your life and there's something else that you're facing in life <clears throat> and there's <clears throat> something else <clears throat> that is going on uh, in your life. And so there's a, a backstory. And the backstory here is that while the battle lines had been drawn, the armies were at the front facing the giant, there was something going on in the background. Here's what was going on in the background. There was a family. There was the family in the background. Behind the battle, there was the family. In fact, the soldiers that had gone to the battleground were fighting for the family. And the families who were back home were in support of the soldiers on the battleground. That's kind of the way that we expect it to work today. We expect our soldiers and Marines and sailors and airmen and so on to, to go and to, to fight while we, the family, stay behind and support them. They're fighting for the family. We're staying behind to support them. And so behind the, <clears throat> the lines were uh, where the three brothers were facing the giant, there was a, a father. His name was Jesse. And there were other brothers, but there was a younger brother named David. Now Jesse was very old, but he had a son who was still relatively young. That son, David, did not go to war with his brothers, but he tended his father's sheep. And as we read verse 15, we saw that he went back and forth between caring for the sheep and being at the battle with King Saul. He was probably a familiar face to Saul. Saul probably recognized him, even though his place was at home with his father, he was a regular fixture on the the battlefield because he came and brought provisions, the Bible says, on a regular basis. Now that's just a little background to show that behind the lines of those facing the giant, there were families in support of their situation. Now I want to make a couple of observations about those <clears throat> that we need for support when we're facing our giant. First of all, this is a very simple yet a very clear thing. We need family. All of us need family. Now, before you say, Pastor Ray, I don't have a family. Uh, <clears throat> this thing is going to make me feel bad, this part of the message. Just hang on. I think we'll be of help to you. <clears throat> the home was the first institution that God created. God created the home before he created church. In fact, there's three institutions that God created. He created the home, he created government, and he created uh, the church. And, and may I say this to you, I think that God created all three of them with a sense of ideal. And I think in all three of them, we have left God's ideal. I'm not really sure what God's ideal 
uh, is in all three of these. And the reason I'm not really sure is because that we have become so traditionalized and we have become so moved from, from the, the Word of God and we've moved through the, the cycle of what's going on in the world that it's, it's hard to figure out what God really intended from the beginning. That being said, however, <clears throat> He uh, created those three things. We all need all three of them in different areas. And we certainly all need home or a place to call home. Robert Frost, in his poem, Death of a Hired Man, wrote, home is a place where when you have to go there, they have to take you in. Even in times of turmoil, especially in times of turmoil, we need family. Now, <clears throat> what family do we have? Well, there's two categories of family. Let's think about them just a minute. We're going to need family. If you're facing a giant, <clears throat> don't hide from your family. You need family. Here's who you need. You need the one that you have. If you have a family, you need the family that you have. Now, I'm from a very large family, and you know that. <clears throat> We're spread out a little bit, and there are times when the needs and circumstances of, of life bring us back uh, together. In times of need or crisis, we come together as we should because that's what family does or that's what family is supposed to do. I would encourage every parent here who's raising children to try and continue to instill in your children, even after they're grown, a sense of family, a sense that family uh, comes together in times of, of joy, family comes together in times of celebration, and family comes together in time of crisis. It's very important for everyone to have a family. And most of us in this room have a family. So we need the support of the family that we have. But what if you don't have a family? Well, then you need to find the support of the family that you find. You may not have a family, but you can find a family or a family can find you. There is family that, that you have and there's family that you find. Uh, the family that we find <clears throat> may be called friends, they may be called colleagues, they, they may be uh, in our church, they may be in our circle, they may be associated with our hobby, they may be associated with a lot of different things, but to somebody <clears throat> there's another circle in life where you are family to them and you may have family outside of your, uh, the family of your birth. And that's a natural and it's a good thing for all of us to have family. When we are facing our giants, we need family. Now, as, as most of you know, I have three sons, three absolutely wonderful sons. Two of my sons are here today with their wives. Uh, Nathan lives here in Tallahassee. Uh, with his wife and two children. And uh, Paul lives in Jacksonville with his wife, Lindsay, and they are here today. And then I have a third son uh, who is actually second born, who lives in, in West Palm Beach, Florida. He uh, moved down to West Palm Beach several years ago, and, and he is there today. Now, my third son, my son, Matthew, and, and I could hide his name, but I, I won't. My, my third son, like all of my sons, and like me and, and all of us, my third son faced a giant, has faced a giant in his life, a really big giant in his life. I think in some ways a bigger giant than I've ever faced. I think maybe a bigger giant than, than uh, 
many people that I know have ever faced. Now, of course, his mom and I, and, and Matthew's a great guy. He's a police officer down there. <clears throat> but his mom and I uh, were, of course, there uh, for him when we couldn't be there for him. And I, I don't know if you understand that, but when you have a child that lives six, seven, eight hours away or on the other side of the world or <clears throat> wherever it may be, you find a way to be there for them, even though you're not really physically uh, there <clears throat> for them. And uh, I will tell you that when he was facing this giant, we were facing that giant with him. I mean, it, it, <clears throat> it rolled in our lives. It was huge in our lives <clears throat> that we were facing that giant with him. But we couldn't reach out and touch him. Uh, we, we, I'm sure that we wore him out with telephone and wore him out with FaceTime and all that kind of thing. But <clears throat> we understood that he was facing a giant. And we wanted to know <clears throat> that there was somebody back home with bread and cheese and, uh, <clears throat> and grain and, and that, that there was somebody that was going to, <clears throat> to walk through that, that uh, valley of battle with him if, if indeed <clears throat> he was going to face that giant. Beyond that, he found a family down there, and the family, they are <clears throat> in his church, and uh, this family in his church actually is the mother and father of his best friend when he was in college. They live in West Palm Beach. That was part of the, the motivation of moving down there is that <clears throat> he already had friends down there, and they had already have two other sons. Well, let me tell you <clears throat> what they did and still do. When, when my son Matthew was facing his giant, they became family to him. They literally took him in. They, his, their house was the place that he could drop in without asking. Their house was the place where he could go to the refrigerator. Their refrigerator wasn't quite as good as our refrigerator home, <clears throat> but they could, he could go to their refrigerator. And the point that I'm making is this, that we were so very grateful for them. When facing a giant, you need family. <clears throat> you need the family that you have. And if you don't have family, then <clears throat> you need to find family. But not just any family. You need to find helpful family. There are a lot of people who are willing to be family to you who may not be helpful family. That's a reality of life. It's overlooked by our church folks is that when people are in need or they are facing giants in their lives, there are many places to find family. There was one place uh, up in Boston where you could find family where everybody knew your name. How many of you know the name of that place in Boston where everybody knew your name? Of course you do. It was the bar Cheers. That's literally a bar in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. There's family. Did you know that? There's family at bar. Some of you in, in your days past, you frequented the bar scene. And there was family at the bar scene. There were people at the bar scene who were ready to take you in. There's family, you can find family in so many different places. 
young people in the inner city and even young people in, in our city find family in gangs. <clears throat> they find family in circles of friends. <clears throat> they find family at their, their school. <clears throat> they find family in high school. There are young people uh, today who are asleep right now who have found family in the dorms of FAMU and FSU. <clears throat> That's family to them. When they get in from whatever it is that they've been doing, there's somebody that they need to talk to. And they go and they knock on the door of that family member. Now, the way young people, many of them live today, <clears throat> that conversation may go on at, at three or four in the morning. But they want to talk to family. There's a lot of family to be had. However, whenever we are facing a giant, we don't just need family, we need helpful family. <clears throat> we need family that are gonna help us get through uh, whatever it is that we're in. We're gonna need family that will help us to face the giant. There's family to be found everywhere, but to get the kind of help that we need in facing our giant, we need helpful family. Not family to lead us into further destruction. Not family to lead us in, in the wrong way. Here's what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 10, 23. All things are lawful, but all things are not, <clears throat> but all things, uh, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. We have to remember that, that there is family to be found and family that is needed but it needs to be helpful family. And, and that begs this, this question to this point. We must be willing, if not eager, to be family. We must be willing, if not eager, to share who we are with the people around us or to share who we are with people at work or at school or whoever it may be. You ever known a young person that hung out with the wrong crowd, Brother Jesse? Sometimes the reason that young people hang out with the wrong crowd is because the right crowd wouldn't be family to them. It's just the truth. Not always, but sometimes. That's why we have to build family. You, you say, I wonder what happened to this person or, or to that person. They do something so heinous and so wrong. Oftentimes it's family. There's been a lot of debate today over all of the various crimes and so forth, and they are directly equating it, and I think rightly so, to the number of fatherless families in our country today. But even among fatherless uh, families that have a father, oftentimes there is the, the absenteeism of the leadership of family. Good family helps us face all situations of life. And everybody, unless they're gonna be a hermit, everybody, everybody needs family. <clears throat> Very few will not need family. We all need family. Jesse and David were the supportive family back home. The family of Eliab and Abinadab and Shammah, all 
of whom had gone to face the giant. We must be the family of of those sitting around us who are going out today to face the giant. Go ahead and just kind of glance around the room. And let me assure you that everybody whose face you see will face a giant or are facing a giant. Oh, it may not be a giant sin. It may not be giant opposition. It may be a giant challenge. But it's nevertheless a giant, a real, honest-to-goodness giant. And let me say this to you. There's more giants to come. They just walk in the door someday. You think, where did that come from? Well, I was waiting out in the hallway to see what she's going to do with that other giant. Here I am now. Well, when do those quit? Well, that's, they quit when we're in the presence of God. So what we're going to have to do is <clears throat> understand that while the, the giant is viable and, and, and so on, we're going to have to have family to help us, and we're never, ever going to see all giants go away. They're going to keep coming like the waves of the ocean. They're going to keep coming in. So we've seen the family. Here's the second thing, the foe. Verse 16 For 40 days the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and night. Oh, my goodness gracious. 40 days this obnoxious, big, slobbering, ugly-faced, smelly, giant stepped out. And in that brash, brassy, nasty way made fun of all of Israel and said, just send me one, you bunch of pipsqueaks. Just send me one. I, you know, that's all we have to do. We don't have to go through all this battle. You just send me one over here. I am the big guy. Just send me one. And if I win, y'all serve us. He didn't say y'all. He was a northern giant. But if he wins, then we'll serve you regularly. Every, every day he stood out there. Verse 8 of 1 Samuel said, 17, he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? I picture WWE when I see this. Don't you? He's got the the microphone. If you can smell what Goliath is cooking. And he goes on. If choose a man for yourselves and, and let him come down to me. And if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when all of Saul and all of Israel heard these words, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, I'll be honest, I would be too. I would be dismayed and greatly afraid. One thing to count on is that the giant will always challenge us, and he'll always be there to challenge us. Don't forget what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around 
like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. If your giant is the inability to handle money, that's a giant for a lot of people. It's a giant for our country. Our country doesn't know how to handle money. It's just a giant. If, if your giant is the, the inability to handle money and the temptation to always live beyond your means, I want you to know it's going to always be there. That temptation will always be there. You're going to have to stand up to that giant. If, if your temptation is alcohol, you'll always notice it at the grocery store on the menu. You always will. <clears throat> that's, that's, not something, that's not something that's going to skip by you. You're always going to notice it. Uh, pornography will always be on the internet as close as the keyboard. If your <clears throat> giant is a, a lack of faith, then the temptation to worry will never leave you alone. You'll always be tempted to worry. Fear, doubt, worry, and anxiety are giants, all of them giants as real as Goliath. The giants will show themselves most every day and, and many times a day. So there you have the family that supports you when you face your giant and the foe the giant that you face. So let, let me give you some facts real quick, <clears throat> just the facts. I, uh, I like to, uh, <clears throat> to watch swamp people. My, my wife uh, hates it, but, uh, uh, <clears throat> but she met this guy right here the other day at Tallahassee Airport. <clears throat> she met him, but she, she hates swamp people. <clears throat> it's a bunch of gator hunters in Louisiana. As they move from one storied line to another, the announcer will we'll say something about the facts. They'll, they'll go and he'll say, meanwhile, back at Pierre Park, or meanwhile, back at Bayou Sorrel. I'd like to do that voice, by the way. I, <clears throat> I'd like to call them and offer my services for much less than they're paying him. I'd love to do that. <clears throat> While something is going on here, something else is going on somewhere else. That's just the way that it is with, uh, with life and the giants of life. As the, the giants loom before us, the fact is, life goes on. The facts are that while the giant roars, life continues. Life didn't stop because the giant came up in your life. There wasn't a pause and everything goes flying around your head. Life continued on. For the three sons of Jesse, the reminder was a care package from home. There's someone to go home to. There's someone who is counting on us uh, to whip this giant and come back to them. And not only that, but there are generations to come whose well-being depends on our facing our giant. I don't know what giant you have in your life, but I will tell you this. Your children, your grandchildren, your children's children's children they will have to deal with the giant in light of how you dealt with it. Do you know how many children of alcoholics become alcoholics? <clears throat> Do you know how many children of, of sexual abuse become sex abusers and offenders? 
A lot of times we will look at something that's going on in, in the news or, or uh, <clears throat> something that's happening in life and we'll say, how does that happen? Oftentimes it happens because this giant loomed in someone's life and <clears throat> they would not face the giant. They would not deal with the facts. They would not <clears throat> overcome it. And so it continued to just go through their lives and into the life of those that they love. When I preach and teach on child raising, I often tell you that more is caught than taught. Your, your children will catch more from you than they will learn from you. They'll just catch it. They'll become who you are. You look at them, and, and can I say this? The things that you despise the most in your kids are probably the weaknesses in your life that they caught from you that you didn't think that they saw. <clears throat> life goes on. It doesn't have a pause button. We can't pause it while we face the giant, and then later fast forward it through the parts that we don't like. It comes to us as it is, regularly and consistently and <clears throat> relentlessly. Life goes on, and like Nehemiah on the wall, <clears throat> we have to build while we battle, and we don't have time to come down from the wall because <clears throat> the giant is always there, and life is always going. All of this is happening in preparation for a showdown between a very young man <clears throat> and a fierce giant who kept the whole army of Israel at bay. And after all that had been said during these 40 days plus of the giant's threatenings and the talk back home, the rumors among the shepherds in the pastures, David finally, right now, is going to put the face with the name. He's finally going to put a face on this guy. He'd heard talk about him, but today he's going to see him. Verse 23, as he talked with them, and behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. Man, David had gotten up early that morning. <clears throat> His father wanted him to take some food to his brothers and also to the leaders of, of Israel's army. It was kind of a USO mission of sort uh, to remind Jesse's sons that dad had not forgotten them. And so David went to the ranks with all the stuff that his dad had sent for him. And with his own ears he heard and with his own eyes he saw the giant that would change his life forever, would change the history of Israel forever, and it would change you and me forever. One of you wrote me a, a note after the first installment on this, and you were very accurate, where you said, you know if David had gotten killed, that Saul would have made good on the agreement. And that's true. That's absolutely true. Everything pivoted on David being who God wanted him to be, where God wanted him to be, and, and facing the giant as God wanted him to be faced. Now here's what we learn from David 
as he finally looks at the giant. First of all, we learn that everybody, every believer has a place to be. David's encounter with the giant came as a result of doing what he was supposed to do when he was supposed to do it. From the reception that he received from his brothers, it's likely that David was that little brother who had always been in the middle of things. Honoring the wishes of his father, however, he strayed, he stayed home, and uh, he cared for less adventuresome things, keeping the sheep, and he didn't have the opportunity to, to fight in that wonderful army, as did his brothers. And by the way, this goes back to tell us something about how God uses us. If, if you are, are waiting for a big opportunity, I'm waiting for the big chance. I'm not going to do that. I'm waiting for the big deal, the big chance. Then you're missing something really important in Scripture. It's not what David waited on. David took care of the sheep. David took care of the little things. David uh, was the pizza delivery guy. He just delivered the bread and cheese to the front. That's what he did. And here's what Jesus said in Luke 19, 15. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by their business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has, been, has made 10 minas more. And he said to him, well done, good and faithful servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you'll have authority over 10 cities. There's a lot more to the story. But the point is that being faithful to God and what we've been given to do creates the opportunity to be faithful later. There's a, an actor. He's, he's not really the, the bastion of, of, of morality or, or anything like that, but he said something very us, unusual, and I think it was at the MTV Awards. His name is Ashton Kutcher, and most of you know who he is. And he stood at, at those awards, and he said to the, uh, to the people who had attended the awards, the awards, Basically, I didn't step from high school to here. He said, I had a lot of jobs. I swept, I cleaned up, I did this, I did that. And he kept talking. He said, they were all honest jobs. That was, it was good work. It was the kind of work that, that people needed to do. And he said, I never quit a job before I had another job to go to. I never, ever did. I stayed with the jobs that I had. I'm not asking you to make Ashton Kutcher your, your hero, but I am saying this. That's a pretty good understanding of the way God wants us to be. God wants us to be faithful to what we've got, and then he might move us to another place. Every believer has a place. And here's the second thing. Every giant has a face. We know what Andre the giant looked like, we know what Shaquille O'Neal looks like. Both of these men are giants. Not as big as Goliath, but giants. I wish you had a picture of Goliath. I've always wondered what he really looked like. But the question is not, what did Goliath look like? The question is, what does your giant 
look like. At the beginning of the message, I mentioned some possibilities of what your giants might be. Here's what I'd like for you to do. I want you to take a walk in your mind with me and put a face on your giant or put a label on your giant, whatever, what it, whatever it is, put a label there. Was there already a warning on that giant? Was there already a, a cross out sign on that giant before you started with the giant? Does your giant uh, say, warning, this does cause cancer and will kill you? Does your giant say that? Does, does your giant already have a, a, a warning in your life, but, but you're not heeding the warning? Or have you justified your giant and you pulled off all warning labels from your, your giant? Has it already gotten to the point that you can't live without your giant? Pastor Ray, we're Sunday morning people. Thank God you are. I love you. I wish there were more of you. But I'm here to tell you there are a lot of Sunday morning people that have giants sitting in the pew with them. Has it already gotten you to that point? Is your giant against the law of man or the law of God? How does your giant affect your relationship to your husband? How does your giant affect your relationship to your wife? How does your giant affect your relationship to your sons and your daughters, <clears throat> to your parents and your friends? I don't have to name your giant. That giant's face has come up in your mind right now. You know what the giant <clears throat> looks like. That's a wonderful thing. If you can see the face of your giant, you are well on your way to defeating that giant in your life. You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida, with your speaker, Dr. Randy Ray, lchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.